0: (laughs) Thank you.
1: And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Before we do get started, I do want to say this program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. You may support the show at support.greatdetectives.net. Also, we have two other uh, old-time radio series running right now, the old-time radio Superman show, laserandsword.com, and the war at thewar.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for, uh, to take a listen to Manhunt. And I misspoke, actually, um, because I found one additional episode of Manhunt I hadn't counted. Uh, so we have, I'd said that this was going to be our last episode of Manhunt, but we're going to do two episodes this week, and then we will go ahead and we'll do, uh, one episode, uh, next week with an episode of Police Headquarters, which will work good because that series had one extra episode. We we're going to have to do uh, three episodes of Police Headquarters, so we'll wrap Manhunt up actually next week. Um, but now, it's time for today's two episodes. The first one is the Clue of the Gloomy Room. That one originally aired on eight, May 6th of 1941. Four. The next one is The Melody Murders, and that is an episode where we don't actually know when it aired. Um, but uh, information I've been able to find on the series indicated that it was on the air between 1943 and 1946, so somewhere in there. So here now is The Clue of the Gloomy Room and The Melody Murders.
2: Manhunt The clue of the gloomy room that led to manhunt. No crime has been committed, yet. No murder has been done, yet. No manhunt has begun, yet. About time you got here. I've been waiting ten minutes. I've been walking around the house looking for this room. Does an old man Wilson have any servants? I don't know. i found the room easy enough. Now, remember, all we have to do is keep Wilson from signing that contract with our competitors, and we're solvent now. Well, so here goes. Mr. Wilson! Mr. Wilson, it's me, Tom Baker. Frank, Purdy, and I'd like to talk to you. If he lets us in, we can stall him from signing. We only need a half hour. Yeah, if he lets us in. Mr. Wilson! Maybe he's not in, Tom. I look through the keyhole. He's in all right. Sitting there in his big chair. Door's locked, eh? Yeah. Probably pulled it from the inside. I can't understand why Wilson doesn't answer. Mr. Wilson! Something's wrong, Tom. Break down the door. Here. This heavy chair will do it. Suppose Wilson's all right? What's the matter? Are you scared? Step aside and I'll do it. There. There. Ah, that's got it. Put your hand through the panel and slide the bolt. Okay, that's what I'm doing. Mr. Wilson? Mr. Wilson, what's wrong? Frankie doesn't answer us. He'll never answer anyone again. He's dead, Tom. Dead as a doornail. Yes, Andrew Wilson is dead. Murdered. Murdered under conditions so impossible as to challenge explanation. Who will find out how he died? Who will discover his murderer? Who will start the manhunt?? Man-hunt and the clue of the gloomy room)
0: Bill Wants, Drew, do you
3: know? Well, all I know, Pat, is he has someone in his office he wants me to see. He sounded pretty excited on the phone.
0: Well, I'll walk you to the door and then hop back to the laboratory, okay?
3: Yeah, sure, Pat. I'll be with Bill in the homicide department if you want. Uh
0: huh. Hey, Drew, wait
3: a minute. Uh-oh, there's Bill now. I'll
4: see you later, Pat. Okay. Hey, Drew, before you go in, I want to tell you something. Yeah? Andrew Wilson, an eccentric millionaire, had an appointment with two fellows this morning. Mm-hmm. When they showed up to keep it, They knocked on his library door, and they couldn't get any answer. Why? Was he out? Was he out, he said. He was out, all right. Out cold. They broke down the door and found Wilson dead. Oh. not a mark on him. And we checked with his doctor and found the guy never had any serious trouble. The door was bolted from the inside, and the one window in the room was locked and barred. Well, he might have locked himself
3: in and then died a natural death.
4: That could be, you know, Bill. It could be, but it wasn't. What I came out to tell you is we're holding an autopsy, and Tom Baker, one of the men who found Wilson, is in my office. Come on in. Yeah, okay. This guy Baker's got a wonderful story, Drew. Claims that if Wilson signed a certain paper, he and his partner would be bankrupt. Well, if Wilson was murdered, that's plenty of reason for killing him, huh? Yeah, it certainly is. Glad you sent for me, Bill. All right, let's go in. Ohio.
2: I'm Stevens. My name's Tom Baker. I was telling Sergeant Morton my partner and I were calling on Mr. Wilson this morning. He knows. I told him.
3: Well, Mr. Baker, when you discovered Mr. Wilson was dead, what did you do?
2: Well, our first thought was to call the police. We ran downstairs to find a phone. Oh, no phone in the room? No, sir. I know the police aren't sure yet that it was murder, but I am. And
3: I know who murdered Wilson, too. Oh, who's that, Mr. Baker? My partner, Frank Purdy.
2: Maybe I shouldn't say this, but Frank is a little hot-headed. It was important that Wilson wouldn't sign a certain paper. If my partner knew that Wilson was going to sign it, I'm sorry to have to say this, but he'd kill Wilson to prevent it, providing he thought he could get away with it.
3: Well, thank you very much, Mr. Baker. That's very helpful.
4: I'll answer that. We
3: have your address, Mr. Baker? Yes,
2: I left it here with Sergeant Morton. Morton.
4: Thank you.
3: We'll be in touch with you, and thanks
2: very much for your help. I'm just doing my duty as a citizen. Goodbye, Mr. Stevens. Goodbye. Yeah,
4: Okay, goodbye. That was the medical examiner, Drew. Uh-huh. The autopsy's over. Wilson was murdered, all right. Poison gas in his lungs. Poison gas, eh? What is it with this phone game? Yeah, Morton speaking. Yeah, I know. What? Yeah. Yeah, okay, thanks. What were you saying, Drew?
3: Oh, I wasn't saying anything, Bill as long as the medical examiner says Wilson was gassed. And our recent visitor here certainly put the finger on his partner, Frank Purdy. You
4: think so? Well, listen. That was Frank Purdy on the telephone just now. He called to tell me that if we found Wilson had been murdered, then it was his partner, Tom Baker, who did the murdering. Well, Drew, you insisted on seeing the room where Wilson was murdered. Here it is. Look around. Nothing and it's been touching. Good
0: mm-hmm. evening, gentlemen. You're from the police, aren't you?
4: Oh, yes, that's right.
0: I'm Ruth Morgan. I was Mr. Wilson's secretary.
4: Oh, yes. We
3: were wondering where we could find you, Miss Morgan.
0: I never get in until 11 o'clock. My, it's good to be indoors where it's warm. I walked from home. It's only four blocks, but I almost froze.
4: What is this, an investigation or a weather report? Go ahead, Drew. Look at the room. I've seen too much of it already. I'm going
3: downstairs.
4: Okay, Care to come in, Miss Morgan? I certainly
0: do. I've never been in there. Oh, you haven't? No. This was Mr. Wilkins' den. No women allowed. Not even his secretary. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, he really was eccentric. Well, it's a dismal room, isn't it? Not much furniture in here, just a desk and a chair. I wonder where that door leads to.
0: Ah, uh, look. Doesn't lead anywhere. It's just a book closet.
3: Well, this gets more complicated by the minute.
0: What do you mean, complicated? Well, just
3: this. Mr. Wilson was gassed to death as he sat in that chair. But there was no trace of gas in here when the partners broke in. Somebody might have aired the room out, it's true. But the door was bolted. And there was nobody in here when Baker and Purdy discovered the body. And the doctor says that the time of death was only a few minutes before they broke in.
0: That does sound impossible.
3: Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. There were no fingerprints in the room. and The bars on the window haven't been tampered with. Say, hey, that window's pretty high up. I wonder how it was opened when he wanted air in here.
0: That window pole in the corner, probably.
3: Oh. This one, eh?
0: Well, this proves nothing. What's this? What's what?
3: little mark on the pole. And I think that because of something on this window pole, I've really got something on Wilson's murderer.
4: I've got Baker and Purdy and the Morgan girl in the next room, Drew. Now, tell me why I had all three of them brought down to headquarters. Oh, I guarantee Bill, that only two of them will leave, okay? Okay. Oh, yeah, here's a picture of whatever it was you found on the window pole. It looks like a crescent or a quarter moon or something. Oh, thanks. I need that. Come on inside, Bill. Inside, he says. It's about time I got on the inside of something around here.
3: Oh, please don't get up, anybody. I hope all of you have a pair of gloves. Have you, Miss Morgan? Yes,
0: right here in my bag. I'll get them out. Oh, dear, I'm sorry. It slipped out of my hand. I
3: hope you retrieve your belongings, Miss Morgan. There. Thank you. One lipstick returned to owner, one compact, one box. Say, what's this?
0: Nothing. Just a box of special headache powders. And this other box is the capsules I put them in.
4: Oh, I see. Well, there you are.
3: Well, I guess that's everything. Now, please put on your gloves, Miss Morgan.
0: Is that all? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: What's this for, Drew?
3: I'm going to take the fingerprints of everybody in this room, starting with Miss Morgan. With gloves on?
0: You're
4: crazy, Drew. You can't get prints off gloves. What do I ever listen to you for? Now hold it,
3: though. If you please, Miss Morgan. Sorry to have to get ink on your gloves, but it's really very important.
0: It's all right. They're an old pair. Uh, what do I do?
3: Now run your index finger over this ink roller. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now press it on this slip of paper. Mm-hmm. Now, go. I want to check this smudge with the picture of the crescent Bill gave me. The mark that was on the window pole. I don't think they'll match, but but if they do. Let's see now. Hey, Miss Morgan, those capsules you have in your bag. I want one. All right. Here. Thank you. Is that radiator hot, Bill?
4: Yeah, plenty. Which is
3: more than I can say for you. All right. I'm gonna lay this capsule I took from Miss Morgan on this radiator. All right, but why? You'll see. There. Look, it's beginning to melt already. So Uh, what? uh, Well, in a minute, if that capsule melts completely, I'll know exactly how Andrew Wilson was murdered by Ruth Morgan.
4: Look, Drew, we know Ruth Morgan killed her boss because she'd been stealing from him and he was going to examine the books. She admits that. But how was it done? And how did you know? Well, to begin with, Bill, Ruth
3: Morgan made a slip when she handled the window pole in Wilson's library. She had never been in that room before, remember? But
0: what about it, Drew? Don't be so vague. Okay,
3: Pat, I'll tell you the story as it happened. Ruth Morgan put some liquid gas in one of those gelatin capsules I found in a bag. Then she placed the capsule on the library radiator.
0: Now we're getting somewhere. I follow that.
3: Okay, genius. Then she hid in the book closet with a wet handkerchief on her face.
0: Oh, so the gas wouldn't affect her.
3: Right. Wilson came in, bolting the door behind him. He sat down in his chair, and the gas hit him. You see, the capsule had melted, leaving no trace. But it had left the room full of vaporized gas.
4: Hey, even I begin to get it. Then after Wilson was dead, the dame put on her gloves, grabbed the window pole, opened the window to air out the room, and then closed it again. And went back in the closet where she
3: was hiding when the partners broke down the door. Right. Well, after they left to go downstairs and telephone, she slipped out the back way and went back to her own house.
0: Okay, okay, but what about all this hocus-pocus of the window pole and taking fingerprints with gloves on?
3: That wasn't hocus-pocus, Pat. You see, Ruth Morgan had a little rip in the seam of her gloves. And just a corner of her finger touched the window pole. But that corner left a print. Well, she was wearing the same gloves today. And the print I took from them showed that part of her finger. The same part of the same finger that appeared on the window pole. Uh
0: Uh-huh. And inasmuch as she had said that Wilson never allowed her in his library, she must have been in there only that one time, huh?
3: That's the way it figured, Pat.
0: Oh, and she seemed like such a nice girl, Drew. Too bad after she decided to murder Wilson, something didn't happen to make her change her mind.
3: Not to change her mind, Pat. If she wanted to get away with it, something should have happened to make her change her gloves.
5: Manhunt. The clue of the Melody murders that led to Manhunt. No crime has been committed yet. No murder has been done yet. No manhunt has begun yet. Uh, Play me that strain again, will you, Jim? That last one. Just just play it slow and tempo.
2: Oh, this this one here? Yeah,
5: yeah, that's the one.
2: Mm
5: -hmm. Okay, okay, hold it, hold it, hold it. I got it. Huh? Yeah. Um, who cares if I sigh or cry, no one now, for I've lost my guy. Yeah, yeah, try it with a tune, huh? Okay. Who cares if I sigh or cry,
2: no one now, I've lost my guy. That's it. Yeah, sounds Good. You know, I kind of like this tune. Oh, bragging, huh? Ah, uh, stop it. You know, I didn't write it.
3: bought it for $25, just like I did the others. I, I think this is the best of the lot, though.
5: Yeah, it will be if we ever get it finished. Remember, though, the last tune in a musical comedy score is always the toughest one to do. Well, come on, let's get to work. Yeah, I'll play you the next phrase, huh? Uh, hey, hey, wh- what are you doing here? Now look, now, don't be foolish. Put that gun down. We're going to see you right after we got it finished on <laughs>
2: Man hunt and the melody murder.
4: Hey, true. So, uh, you busy? Oh, hello, Bill.
3: Oh, not too busy.
4: Just working out a formula for a new fingerprint How do I? What's up? Murder of those two songwriters yesterday. Uh, well, I uh, I need help on it. Oh, what's the whole story, though? A songwriting team, uh, Roy Aldridge and Jim Benson. They were shot. Huh? They were just finishing the score for a new musical comedy when somebody finished them. Only there isn't a sign of who did it. These two guys came to town about a year ago with a trunk full of songs. and Nobody knows anything about them to this day. Except that they made a pile of dope.
3: Aldrich and Benson, I've heard of them.
4: Yeah, but who'd want to kill them? No dames in their life, no money troubles, no enemies, no nothing. We've checked all the angles. None of them fit this case. Uh,
3: oh, I'll take it, Bill.
5: Hello, Drew Stevens speaking. Oh,
3: yes, he's
4: here. For you, Bill. Me? Okay. Hello. Okay, send him in here. Yeah. A guy's outside, says he's got something on the songwriter murders.
3: He's coming in. Good. Hey, you see, Bill? All you have to do is come in to see me and things start happening on your cases. I'm a lucky charm. I'll
4: charm you. Look, you can listen to this guy, but don't butt in. I ain't going to need you now that I get some kind of a lead on this case.
2: All right, Bill. Is Sergeant Morton in here?
4: Yes. Come in, please. I'm Morton.
2: Who are you? My name is Aldius Tarkle. May I sit down, please? Yes, by all Me?
4: All right, Tarkle. What do you know about these murders?
2: Well, what do you want to know about
4: who killed Aldridge and Benson, do you know?
2: Well, nobody killed Aldrich and Benson. They're both
3: alive. Oh, fine. Crackpot. What do you mean Aldrich and Benson are still alive,
4: Mr.
2: Charkle? Well, if they were not alive, they could not still be composing.
4: If they're not alive, they're decomposing. Ah.
2: But they are alive. You see, here, here, look at these manuscripts. They're mine, but they're Aldrich and Benson's.
4: They're yours, but they're Aldrich and Benson's. You're nuts, and you're making me crazy, too.
2: Well, it's very simple. They bought my melodies and changed them a little. But they cheated me. They only paid me a few dollars for each of
4: them. Oh, so you killed them.
2: I'm a composer. I write songs. You're a detective. You'll find out if I did.
4: You'll find Mr. Travis right in that door, Mr. Stevens. After you telephoned him, he said for you to go right in when you come up. Oh, thank you very much. He's listening to some songs now. Eddie Franks is trying to complete the Aldrich and Benson score with a show Mr. Travis is going to put on. But you go right in, sir. Uh, Thanks, I will. I uh, hope I'm not
3: interrupting. Oh, hold it, Eddie. Uh, I'm Drew Stevens, Mr. Travis. I spoke to you on
5: the telephone. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Will you excuse us, please, Eddie? Now, what can I do for you, Stephen?
3: Mr. Travers, uh, are you the producer of the show that Aldrich and Benson were writing?
5: Yes. I thought the police had their murderer. Fellow Tarkle. didn't he prove that he'd written all the songs that they've been credited with? Yes, yes. He wrote them all right, but uh, we haven't proved yet that he killed the two
3: songwriters. Maybe you can help us.
5: Frankly, I can't. I never heard of Tarko. I bought the score from the boys before it was written. We often do that with hit writers, you know. And it cost me plenty in advance. They had a lot of competition. From whom, for instance? From Al Barish, for instance. From half a dozen other producers. Stevens, I don't know whether you know it or not, but a producer doesn't use all of his own money in putting on a show. But with a score by Aldrich and Benson, why, a producer can get as much money as he needs from outsiders. That's very interesting. I hope you aren't considering me as a suspect, Mr. Stevens. The only thing that the deaths of Aldrich and Benson meant to me was that I've got to get somebody in to finish their work. And it won't be as good when it's finished. I wasn't considering you, Mr. Travers, any more than anyone
3: else. For instance, you might have a motive, you know. I understand that neither Aldridge nor Benson had any relatives. I guess there isn't anybody have to pay for their music now, is there?
5: Well, no.
3: How much would you save by their not being around to collect?
5: Well, quite a good deal. Al Barish offered the boys 10% of the gross of his show if they'd give him the score. I had to go 15% to get him. A hit show, that could mean about a quarter of a million dollars the first year. Well, that's quite a sum. People have been murdered for less. Perhaps. But I produce shows, not murders. So,
3: Where could I find
5: Barrett, Mr. Travers? This is a theatrical building. His office is next door.
3: Thank you. I may be back. Goodbye.
5: Bye, Mr. Stevens.
3: I guess you can go back into Mr. Travers' office, Eddie. I'm through in there temporarily. I beg your pardon. Yes? I'm looking for Mr. Barish. I'm Drew Stevens, please. Please? I'm Barish. What do you want with me? Oh, nothing right now, Mr. Barish. I'm doing some checking. Uh, go on playing the piano if you like. I don't want to interrupt you. It's all right. I was just fooling with some chords. Mr. Barish, I'm investigating the murders of Aldrich and Benson. How much did their murders cost you?
2: It cost me? It cost me nothing. Those two made their deal with Travers. It didn't cost him anything either. He pays nobody now that they're dead. He's been lucky all his life. And you? I'm the kind of a guy who always comes in second. Well, you've got a lot of company, Barish. I understand you were bidding for the score that the boys were writing. Sure I was.
5: Travers went higher than I could. I came in second. Uh,
3: well, I won't bother you any longer, Mr. Barish. I'll be seeing you. What does that mean? Nothing. Or something, depending on what happens at midnight tonight. I tell you, Bill, it's the only way to find out whether either Barish or Travis fired the shot that killed the two riders.
4: Barish or Travis? How about Tarkle? He practically dared me to pin the murders on him.
3: Maybe he's the murderer, Bill. But Travis had a motive,
4: too. I found out this afternoon
3: that Barish was double-crossed by Benson and Aldi. Huh? Well, I planted the idea in Barish's mind of something happening at midnight. My plan doesn't work. We try the same thing on Travis. Uh, it
4: sounds screwy. I got something to tell you that sounds screwy. Yeah, what, Bill? I'll do it. Who, who, who's there?
2: Who, who's at the window? Answer me or I'll fire. Go ahead and shoot. All right, smart.
3: Okay, Bill, break down the door. (laughs) Okay, what's the word? Hold it, Mr. Barish. Sorry I had to scare you if I did. I'm Drew Stevens, remember me? Put on a light, will you? Of course, but
2: Mr. Stevens, what's this all about? Okay, okay, hold it, Barish. that's
4: what your name is, I'll take that gun.
2: What? Want this gun? Certainly, in just a second.
4: What are you jamming that nail file in the barrel for?
2: Hey, stop that. That's too late, Bill.
3: Barish is very clever. He doesn't want that gun to be examined.
2: Uh, you it now.
3: You don't think it'll do us any good now, do you? You think you've destroyed the markings inside the barrel of the gun so that when we fire it down at headquarters, the bullets will not be the same as the ones we took out of the bodies of Aldridge and Benson.
5: Is that why I did it? Yes.
3: But there's a very nice bullet right in this wall in back of me where you fired at me and missed when I opened the window. I've got a hunch that bullet will have the same markings as the ones in the songwriter's bodies. And if it does, you won't come in second anymore, Mr. Barish. You'll be in the first row and the first seat, right in the death house.
4: That sure was a cute trick, making Barish fire at you, Drew. The bullets checked, and we got our confession. (laughs) But uh, why did he kill those two songwriters? What's the matter? Hate music? No, Val.
5: But you
3: see, Barish had promoted a lot of money for a new show on the strength of having an Aldridge and Benson score for it. Yeah. I found that out from the editor of a theatrical paper. Only he spent the money or gambled it away. Hmm. Well, then when Travers overbid him for the team's music, his back was up against the wall. He faced 20 years in jail for grand larceny. But he
4: had to get even on Aldridge and Benson for putting him in a
3: spot like that, so he killed them.
4: Nice guy. Hey, but supposing it wasn't Barish who killed the two songwriters? I took some chance taking your word for the whole thing and breaking in that door of his bedroom. Oh, yes, you sure
3: did, Bill. But supposing Barish hadn't missed when he shot at me? I took a little chance myself.
1: Welcome back. Well, problems with both cases. Um, I would be very dubious of the idea you could get a partial print off a very small hole in the glove. Um, maybe some forensic experts will really disagree, but that, that would be, yeah, that, that would be hard because generally you've got to be able to identify a certain number of points, um, before you're able to even uh, prove anything. Um. I also uh, on the second one, that one I found it amusing the idea that the murderer thought he could just very quickly uh, alter the um the insides of the rifle butt to make it uh, unidentifiable. I'm pretty certain it doesn't work uh, quite that way. Um, but. uh that's more on the murderer's, uh, clumsy execution. Uh, this guy doesn't necessarily think, uh, seem like someone, um, for, for whom you would need, uh, wh- whom you would need Drew Stevens to catch. Uh, not necessarily the brightest criminal out there. Um, alright. Well, that will actually, uh, do it uh, for today. We will be back tomorrow with Pat Novak and then next week. Next week, I promise, unless... Uh, some more missing episodes of Manhunt come in. The last episode of Manhunt and an episode of Police Headquarters. In the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.